I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. We are reading Matthew chapter 10, and we are starting on verse 17 tonight. It's important to us for us to remember as we read tonight's scripture, who was Jesus talking to in chapter 10? His disciples. His disciples. He was talking to his disciples. What was he preparing them to do? To... Save people from demons, for example. That's one thing. And spread the word. Right. In summary, he's sending out his 12 disciples, right? He's sending them out to the people of Israel, right? Matter of fact, he told them not to go see the Gentiles or the Samaritans. That's the context. Jesus, 12 disciples. Jesus hasn't died yet. We're under the old covenant. He is sending out his 12 disciples. In verse 17. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Okay, so he's telling them, be on guard because as you go about and do what I just told you to do, right? as you do this, there are going to be times where you're handed over to the authorities, right? And they're going to question you and they're going to mistreat you and they're going to flog you, right? This is all understood. So Jesus is, that's what he's preparing them for. So within that context, he says, brother will betray brother to death. And a father his child. Children will, will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Okay, verse 22. All men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. That's verse 22. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Who is Jesus speaking to when he gave those words? It's not a difficult question. We just answered this question. Who was he speaking to? The disciples. At that point in time, Jesus was not directly speaking to you, and he wasn't speaking to me. It's not always the case where when we read the Bible, 
to, to know the heart of the father, we have to diagnose like when Jesus said this, what was he trying to say to me personally? Like what was he, what was coming out of his mouth that was meant towards me? To know his heart, maybe the better question is, what was Jesus trying to say to them when he said it to them, right? What was he trying to say to them in the way that he talked with them, with the way he related to them and the words he had to say to to them might tell you something about his heart, right? So in this context, he's talking to his disciples, he's preparing them to go out and he tells them, that there's going to be times when you get arrested and you get flogged and you're going to be asked to give a defense. Don't worry. The words will be given to you in that moment, right? Furthermore, you're going to go places and people are going to hate you because of me, right? But don't worry. Stand firm on me to the end and you will be saved. When Jesus said you needed to be saved, then what kind of saving was he talking about? Physical? That's right. He was talking about saving from persecution. In the previous sentence almost, I guess paragraph, but previous sentence, all Jesus is talking about is physical things. He's not talking about spiritual life. He's not talking about spiritually being thrown into jail. He's not talking about spiritually being flogged. He's talking about things that are going to happen to them physically as they go and do the thing that he told them to do, right? As you go and do this, You're going to get punished physically for what you're doing. People are going to hate you for me. You're going to get punished physically. Don't worry about that because you will be saved. Stand firm with me. Just stand firm in what you're there to do to the end. You will be saved. And matter of fact, every one of the disciples came back. Notice none of them were not saved from whatever situations they encountered when they went out to go do this thing that Jesus told them to do, every single one of them came back and no matter what situation they faced, they were saved. Jesus was telling them a matter of fact that when you go and get hated and persecuted as you tell this message that I'm telling you to tell, you're going to be persecuted, but you are going to be saved. Just stick with me. Don't run away, right? Don't get there. And after you've been flogged once or twice, which I wouldn't want to be flogged, right? But in the middle of your flogging, don't say to yourself, I'm just going to stop. I don't want to do what Jesus asked me to do anymore. He's saying, don't do that. Just stay with me to the end and you will be saved. Does that make sense? It's a whole different understanding because a lot of people will look at that verse and they'll say to me in this, what Jesus is trying to tell me is that even though it's not popular to say that. I'm a Jesus follower in this day and age, even though that doesn't make you cool with everybody, I still need to make sure that I stand firm with him. And if I do that, if I do that, if I stand firm with him up until the day I die, then I will be saved. That's a bad theology because that's not what Jesus said. That's not what John verse 316 says. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If what Jesus meant to say here, if he was talking about spiritual, spiritually being saved, then what John 3.16 would have had to say is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that whosoever believes in him and stands firm in that belief to the end will not perish but have eternal life. But it didn't say that. And it didn't say that because we're talking about two different things. So it's important to go through the scripture and to remember your truths about what the good news of the gospel is and to not take a verse like this out of context. Jesus was talking to them. Furthermore, Jesus isn't talking about spiritual life at all because what did Jesus tell them to go do? What were some of the things he told them to go do? Brock said one, to go drive out demons. What else did he tell them to go do? Raise the dead. To raise the dead. Heal people. To heal people. To get followers. Not really to get followers. To heal people. To and then he he singled out leprosy, right? To uh, cure people of leprosy. <coughs> and what he told them to preach was not, "Here's how you gain eternal life." He 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 didn't tell them to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news wasn't in effect. Jesus hasn't died. He hasn't resurrected. There's really no good news to tell right? What Jesus told them to go around preaching was the kingdom of heaven is near. You did good. No, the kingdom of heaven is near is not the good news. When Jesus does tell them to go spread the good news, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father of the son and of the Holy spirit. Not baptizing them in the name of water, but baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's that's kind of the good news, right? That people can be reborn, right? Through being baptized into spiritual life. Does that make sense? That's what the good news is. That's not what he told them to go preach. He told them to go preach the kingdom of heaven is near. Basically, prepare your hearts for what's about to happen. Right? Prepare your heart. Right. That things, yes. These prophecies, these messianic prophecies, they're coming. Prepare your hearts. The kingdom of heaven is near. They were never talking about spiritual life. He was never telling them to go preach to people about spiritual life. He was never telling them to go preach to people about how to get into heaven or how to be saved. So it is a stretch when people take Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, all by itself and try to apply it to people and say, hey, You've been saved. You can't you can't have these moments of not standing firm, which usually they mean not sinning. You can't have these moments of sinning because then you're not standing firm in Christ, and then how will you know if you're going to be saved? Because you haven't stood firm to the end. We'll we'll play more into this tomorrow, but I listened to a sermon that was like, you know, when somebody's a new believer in Christ, right? When they're a new believer in Christ, you were at church, you answered the altar call, and you gave your life to Christ. And you had an experience in that moment, right? Like you've given your heart to Christ. You've determined that I believe in Jesus and I'm He lives in me. And I just I I'm just thankful that today I was saved. Right? From that moment, would you say that the very next day, there might be some people like this, but the very next day, I wouldn't expect that most people, if they were literally put in a position to say, hey, here's the deal, right? If you profess that you follow Jesus Christ, then I'm going to kill you, right? I I would think that there's a fair number of people who on that day would not stand firm to the end, (laughs) that they would say, 
they would denounce, right? They would denounce what they believed, what the profession of faith that they made yesterday, and they would ask God to forgive them. They would come back and say, God, I was just scared. Isn't that the reason we sin sometimes anyways? We're just scared. You know? And would our father really to look at that person and say, you disgust me. You don't have a place in my kingdom because you didn't stand firm with me to the end. No. I would say now, if somebody asked me that today, I don't think I would denounce my faith. I don't know, but I don't think I would. But there was a time in my life where I would have said, no, I definitely would have just you know, said something else just to get past this moment and then told Lord, the Lord I was sorry and I needed to trust him and just do that thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But in the moment, I wouldn't have been ready to die. Now I would say, I don't know. I hope that someday I can say absolutely no questions asked. Maybe I'd feel that way if I didn't have you three kids and my wife as some people I feel like I want to be here with and enjoy life with and take care of. So I just think it's, it. how could Jesus expect, if that's what Jesus was trying to say, how could he expect these people to go into these places they were going and they're talking about Jesus, a man they've probably heard of but never met, never had an experience with him, maybe had never seen any of his miracles, had just heard of him, and now you got this person at your front doorstep telling you about him and you're telling me that they're supposed to be so moved in that moment that they're all willing to just die for him in that moment? That's a stretch. Okay, I'll quit glorifying the point. I think my point is is that um, that's not what they were talking about. They were talking about the fact that go and preach my name and just trust in me, trust me, all you guys, no matter what you face, just stay with me and come back. Just stay with me because in the end of that, you will be saved. After all that, you will be saved. All the disciples did come back. So in verse 24, he goes on. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Satan, basically, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them. See, he's still talking about uh, the people who persecute them. Do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Great. But cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And that is, of course, what he's talking about is don't be afraid of what they're going to do to your body. Don't be afraid of what they're going to do to you. I've already told you you'll be saved. And besides, even if I wasn't, they can't do anything to you spiritually, right? They don't have the ability to do anything to you spiritually. So even if you did die, Yes, your persecution will end. Even if you did die, your persecution will end. But Jesus was absolutely right. Not one of them was persecuted in this journey that he sent them out to go on. Not one of them was persecuted to the point of death, right? They were all, just like he said, saved. 
and stood firm in him. He says, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my father. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my father. Of course, we have a mouthful of this to talk about, and it's more time than we have. But I'll just say this. This is the question we'll leave with, and we'll talk about it tomorrow, is this. If that's a true statement, if all of that is true in the, it is a true statement, Jesus said it, but if our understanding of it, that the implication means that if you ever disown Christ in front of somebody, then Christ is going to disown you when you come into the kingdom of heaven and, and you want to be accepted and he's going to deny you. If that's how we mean what Jesus said there, if that's how we understand it, then the only possible solution that we can draw from that is that Peter, Simon Peter, is definitely not in the kingdom of heaven right now. That he's definitely in hell and he definitely went to hell because he definitely denied acknowledging Jesus in front of men. Is that true? He definitely did that. So if what Jesus, if it's at, if that's specifically what Jesus is talking about when he uses those words, then we know for sure that Peter is in hell. And I'll even say this, then I would also, if, if I believed that, I would also know for sure that I was going to be in hell because there have been times in my life where I knew I had an opportunity to acknowledge the fact that I was a Christian saved by the blood of Christ. And in that moment, I chose not to. And there have been times where I did that thinking I was protecting the Lord because maybe I was involved in a sin and I didn't want the people that I was involved in that sinning with to attach a life of freedom in Christ to the actions that I was doing at that time. You know, I didn't want my actions to reflect poorly on Christ, right? I would have just rather in that moment not been associated with it. Um, it really wasn't because I was ashamed of him. It was more because I was ashamed of myself. But my point is this. I don't, I don't live in fear or in condemnation of having done that, right? I know that that sin was paid for by Christ at the cross. And I live in the freedom that he has won me, right? What does Paul say? He says, this one thing I do, which is forgetting what is behind me, and straining towards what is ahead. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. I love you, kids. Love you too. You guys are good kids. Hey, they die.